0: to popcorn for one your fortnightly film podcast where we review some classic and not so classic films for you all to enjoy we also discuss everything that goes on in between some stand and fandom life and we just generally chat about movies because you know what that's what makes us happy cinema club 2023 is here and we are here for it 2023 welcome to popcorn for one your fortnightly film podcast hiya besties how are we all we good i hope so it's been one hell of a fortnight hasn't it so many back holidays which means so much film watching oh yeah so let's have a chat about what we're going to discuss we are first of all going to discuss may the fourth be with you yes it was star wars day we're gonna do a little intro and little chat about why i love star wars so much then we are gonna do the rundown i'm gonna tell you exactly what i've watched in the last fortnight then we're gonna look at what you've been watching in the last fortnight at home and at the cinema then we're gonna discuss something that happened on star wars day which shocked me a little bit and discuss a bit more about star wars and then we will have this fortnight's big review how does that sound I think that sounds rather good to me, so let's move on. And let's go down, shall we? Woohoo. Happy Star Wars Day! May the fourth be with you, Revenge of the fifth. This is for May. Yep, we're doing all of that. Happy Star Wars. Ah. Yeah, we've got here. It was the day that comes around once a year, even though was actually two and we celebrate the whole month of it. It's just hmm. oh, Imagine telling nine year old me who is oh no, I was about ten, I was at a family reunion. It was my great uncle's seventieth birthday. Yeah, because he's now ninety. Yep, yeah. it was his seventieth birthday, and we were all having this big family gathering, and we were all just sitting there and chatting, and being like, da, 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 da. and we had we were staying at this conference center, and there was this room downstairs, and they were had um all the chairs laid out for a conference, but they had a big interactive um whiteboard, and they have a Phantom Menace on there, and. I think I was playing hide and seek with my cousin and I stopped because I was looking at that and I was, was, saw this thing on there and I was like, what is this? So I just sat in the chair Um it was, we. they put it on twice a day to keep all the kids entertained. And it got to the second viewing on the second day and I went, I'm going to watch this. So I sat and I completely ignored all the other kids that I was meant to be playing with and I watched um, Phantom Menace. And I sat there and I watched it and I was like, this is cool. This is fun. Uh. And then my parents came because they hadn't heard from me for a while. I was like, what are you doing? Like, watching this. This is really fun. This is good kids film. Like, oh, no, this is Star Wars. And I was like, what's Star Wars? I was like, all right. And I got home and um, they showed me the original three films. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and I watched Empire Strikes Back and I was like, oh. I was just like, yes, yes, this is good. Ah, oh. um, and obviously fell in love with Ewoks. Um, but then obviously when it got to Attack of the Clones, I was older and my sister was a bit older, so they took us to see that. So that was the first Star Wars film I saw at cinema. Um, and I've seen all of them since. Um, but yeah, if you tell that little nine-year-old girl about family reunion, that one day you're going to have this amazing family online. And these amazing people that you care about, that you speak to every day, who love Star Wars, and you're gonna meet some of them, and you're gonna have a huge collection of Star Wars stuff. It's not as huge as some of your stuff, I know that, but still. But, and you're gonna be adoring a little wampa and a shiny tiny tin. And I would have been like, no, 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 no way. But here I am, all these years later, sitting here celebrating Star Wars Day. I went to work in my hoodie with my Mando backpack and my lanyard and my stickers on it. My am um, clown of two Dylan Gregory ones. And every single person that I bumped into that day, I went, may the fourth be with you. And yeah, no, nine-year-old me would be very impressed that 33-year-old me is sitting here busy being a huge fangirl still and loving every second of Star Wars. And looking at the shelf, and sitting here looking at my bank account again, can I afford the new limited Lego that's just come out? But I did win some money on the lottery yesterday. Can I justify it? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's so good. It really is. And yeah, May the fourth be with you. Revenge of the fifth. And this is for May, peoples. It's time for the rundown. This may take a while. In the last fortnight, because we've had bank holidays and there's been stuff going on. And I've randomly watched things and there's also been a TV series thrown in there. I have 19 things to talk about. I'm going to try and fly through it. I'm not sure how quickly I will. Obviously, one of those things is going to be a big review in a minute. But we'll get there. Let's go. So we will start off by talking the Bondafon. I did Tomorrow Never Dies and I did The World Is Not Enough Straight afterwards. Uh Tomorrow Never Dies. Um Jonathan Press is really brilliant and it's really clever. And Hugh Bonneville was in it for all of ten seconds, and there's stuff going on. There's Michelle Yeoh, who obviously is now Michelle Yeo Oscar winner. Happy days. But yeah, there's a lot going on in Tomorrow Never Dies. But it's probably actually brosnan's best bond film it's the one where he's the most bond in it um because in um golden eye no offense it was all about sean bean and in the world is not enough there was we'll get to that in a second well we'll get to all of it (laughs) but so yeah so yeah it's the one where he's the most bond in the world is not enough which was the next film that i watched um, obviously there's two Bond villains and we've got the M Betrayal, plus we all had to feature everything to do with London for the Millennium, the opening sequence is really good, actually, in, um, the world is not enough. Uh, and obviously it's got the Chainsaw in it. Uh, but Robert Carlyle, even though he's the main villain, even though we don't meet him until about an hour in, is epic. He's so dark and he's so mean and... As much as the Electra is the main villain in it, I love Robert Carlyle in this film. He is fantastic. And he would have made a good child actually. He's, yeah, he's very good. And it's a pleasure to watch Robert Carlyle. But Bond is kind of, yeah, there's so much going on. The fact that she's called Christmas is just like, oh, really? But, you know, it's still Bond. It's still fun. Then I was at my parents watching football, and I was just looking for channels, and I was looking for something cool to watch, and we didn't have anything cool to watch, but the King's Speech was on, and it was literally at the point where he was going to start doing his therapy, and I was like, okay, and I watched the majority of it, I think we got up to the point where he was about to be crowned for the football starting. so like, ah, I mean, I have it at home, and I've watched it for. and you've all heard me tell the story about how I did a stand ovation for it years ago back in the cinema, so... Yeah, the King's speech is rather special and it's still really good. And obviously because we've had a coronation in the last um, couple of weeks, well, this week, well, Saturday, um, it gave everyone the excuse on Saturday when people were asking, oh, what are you doing on the weekend? And you just turn around and be like, go Pierce here. And so go, King! <laughs> I've said that a lot. Yes, I have. Then on Thursday we learnt the very sad news, that Jerry Springer had passed away. Legend Jerry, 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 and Steve Ball Bouncer are at the fights. So it was, I just sat here, like, like, I was just like, I've got a Jerry Springer song. He's in the Spy Who Shagged Me, Austin Powers. So I sat here and I watched it, and it's really clever. They beat up Rob Lowe and they going backwards in the 60s and realizing that it's all backwards and getting them right in the moon. It's so weird, and it's such a rip off of all the other things, which they actually call themselves out for, which is quite cool. But it's fun. There's nothing wrong with Austin Powers' by Jagme at all. It's a good... You sit there and you giggle for a good couple of minutes. Maybe yeah, I actually watched that film before I saw the first one, International Man of Mystery. So, yeah, I sat here and I watched Austin Powers and I had a hilarious time and saw all the 90s references and was just like, oh. Mm. But it's still cool and I still liked it. I then went to the cinema and was prepared to have my heart... ...completely and nationally ripped out and broken... ...by the unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry... ...which is Jim Broadbent walking from Devon to berwick upon Tweed ...to go and see someone who used to be a family friend... ...who's in a hospice and the people that he meets along the way... ...and how it changes his life and his family life... ...and her life and everyone else's life... ...and the sense of community. And I was all willing to sit here and cry my eyes out at it at the cinema... I think a world up twice, both times were about the dog, not him, or women in the hospice, or people whose lives are affected. but it was three times I was just like, "This is pointless. Why are we doing this?" And I understand why we're doing it because it would be what would happen. I was like, mm. <sighs> "Yeah." I wanted so much more. I have a feeling that coming at the end of the year when I do my big, okay, this is what I've watched thing, I'll sit remember that "I watched the unlikely programmer for how Friday, Did I? Oh, okay." Yeah, it it was alright, Jim Broadbent was amazing, but I just wanted a bit more from it. It was it was cliche, but it was boring cliche, if that makes sense. It didn't properly make me go, oh no, which I wanted it to do, I really did. Then I was sitting here on Saturday night and I was just flicking my channels while I was having dinner and I found Grease and I watched Grease and I, it was basically um, from... Uh, the end of summer nights to the end of it and I was like yeah that's fine so I sat there and watched it in the same long and stood up and did a hand drive on my own in my lounge because that's what you do when you watch Grease 100% and then I had planned on watching something from my to watch list and to do list and I was just sitting there and I was just flicking and I saw what was next on film 4 and it was Bohemian Rhapsody and I have Bohemian Rhapsody on DVD I've seen it a few times and I was just like well, I'll put it on while I decide to watch it and then I realised I was watching it I was like I could put the DVD on and make it quicker I was like nah you're sitting there now Well, we have that so when you can wash up, you can do it. so I watched Bohemian Rhapsody and went ew, 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 ew. yeah so I had fun watching that and didn't actually get around to watching a classic movie or Bond oh well the next day I watched Bond vote. Right? the next day I watched Die Another Day Um, Die Another Day is an atrocious James Bond film CDI's CGI's horrendous the script's not that good. The jokes are ridiculously cheesy. John Cleese doesn't actually fit the um, Q stance. I know that he took over in the last one, which was quite sad, actually. That's one of my favourite things of the world is not enough. Um, but he passes on Q, and it's like, oh, no. I mean, I know that all Qs have to eventually pass on and do that. And, you know, he'd been in every single Bond film, but it was just more of like, oh. No, and now looking back at it, I can understand why they gave it to John Cleese at the time, but they didn't actually then ever bring him back and they changed the way Q was going forward, so, you know. But the CGI is atrocious. And Rosamund Pike does a good job as being the Bond girl, but it's not obvious and she's not actually uh, a best-in-actress thing. Halle Berry's camping it up, but good on her for doing it. Um, The AI thing actually has come true <laughs> um, with uh, virtual reality. That was quite weird. Um, but the Ice Palace and Icarus is all just a bit like, okay, fine. Yeah. It's not a good Bond film. It's really not, but <sighs> it was the first one I saw in the cinema. And as I'm going to talk about later on, us millennials are having a bit of an f- effect of things that happened in the late, no, in the early, early noughties at the moment. We're bringing it all back, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, because guess what? Our opinions are valid because we've growing up for isn't it. Yeah. That's what happened. Then I have been thanks to... I'm not... Uh, this is weird. I'm not sure if the rest of the world had this. We here in the UK have a TV show called Gogglebox. And you sit down and you watch it. And you watch people watch TV. And they are from all across the country. They are all different ages, genders, ethnicities. They are literally from Devon to John O'Groats. It's ridiculous. Well, from Cornwall. From Land's End to John O'Groats. That's how it the phrase is, isn't it? But they sit there and they watch They watch TV. They watch whole episodes and series. And you watch them watch the TV and you decide whether you're going to watch it. And they've all been watching a show called Obsession on Netflix. And it looked so good. So much so that when it got to the episode, we are like, and we're now going to talk about the finale of Obsession. I was like, I'm muting it. I'm going to go do my washing up. I don't want to know. <laughs> Because what the next show that I wanted to watch was after that. I was like, no, I'm gonna leave right now. It's bloody sexy, it's very steamy. Richard Armitage is so hot in it, and yeah, it's do not watch this with your parents. <laughs> I mean watch some of it with your parents, but not all of it. And it's just oh my god. It was insane. And I I'm actually quite glad it was only four episodes on Netflix and wrote they were all quite short. Um when Idina um from Amina from Game of Thrones and Torchwood and everything else was in it and there was a point where something went wrong and she screamed she screamed like how she screamed went over and died and I had flashbacks to that and I just messaged girls in group chat going help Uh, yeah that was yeah that scared me a little bit but she deserved it um I also, I liked the way it ended as well, but it was very hot, it was very sexy, it was very passionate. and It was over the top, but it worked. And it was exactly what I needed to binge over that weekend, 100%. And I'm very glad that I did, because otherwise I wouldn't have got around to it at all. But I went to the cinema, and I went and saw Big, Big George Foreman, the miraculous story of the once and future heavyweight champion of the world. What a long name for a film. I don't know much about George Foreman, other than the fact that he had a grill he was world champion and that he called most of his kids George hmm I mean it was good and it was interesting and once again it was another film throwing God down your throat and I was like not again I can't be dealing with this no please stop please stop cinema stop people in the late 70s or 80s finding God in cinema Uh, I know that I'm not a religious person a person a person um but it's getting a bit much now, because so many of these films, this is the case. I'm just oh, I'm done now. Stop. Please, can I can I just watch my film without having someone finding the Lord in it? That would be really helpful. The person that was George Foreman was pretty good. It was interesting to see how the press treated people and how attitudes that in some respects in fame haven't changed to this day, but... Ultimately, I didn't really connect to anyone and I found it a bit of a slog to get towards the end. I was just like, okay. A bit like a bit like a boxing fight. By the time I got to the eighth round, by the time I finished act two, I was like, we done yet? Come on, can we at least get to the part where he wins? Because it's a real life story, so you all know he wins. Um, but yeah, it was just... It was a bit of a slog and it was just like... Mm. There were some questions that we talked about one thing, and she's like, well, we've not answered why that was the case now. Why did this person suddenly do this, and why did that person? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I was looking for something chill to watch in an evening, and I've put on Disney+, and I found a Simpsons movie, and I've talked to you a bit about the Simpsons movie before. Spider-pig, spider-pig does whatever a spider-pig does. But one of the funny things in that film now is the fact that Bart sits down and goes, I am a master of an evil organisation, puts that bra on his head and pretends to be Mickey Mouse. And now Disney own The Simpsons and they do that film. Okay, fine. So that was that. Then we move back onto the Bond film. And we are now up to Daniel Craig. And I watched Casino Royale. And I've watched a lot of Bond in the last two weeks because I know I've got Eurovision coming up. <laughs> and I'm not going to watch any Bond this week at all. Probably until Friday. Um, and I also know I need to concentrate on Quantum need to properly do it. But Casino Royale has the second best Bond song that has ever been written. After A View to a Kill. A View to a Kill is insane. But as far as actual songs go, which I listen to... You know my name by Chris Cornell. Bless him. Absolute banger. Oh, my God. I forgot that Bond started in black and white and that it was so edgy and quick at the start. And then we start the film and then we have the opening chase. We're like, OK. Oh. Um, also, I'm very glad that I got to Mads quite quickly. And then, unfortunately, Mads was killed. I don't know why, this is one thing I've never got again about Casino Royale. Casino Royale is an absolutely amazing film and it's so clever it's so gritty and it's so dark and it's a good re bringing Bond back into it and proving that Bond's now. But James Bond, um, I've lost what I was going to say. I was going off on the tangent. Um, Ah, that's really bad because what I was going to say was actually really important. What was I going to say? And I'm halfway through recording this, so I can't go back. Um yeah, Bond became cool because of um Bourne and Bauer. We will have a full-on conversation when I've done with Bond And Daniel Craig made him that and there was a lot of pressure around that time. Um but there were some things where it was just like really? Oh, why oh yeah. So Mans was a villain. Um, he was playing his poker and he was busy torturing Daniel Craig. And then they kill him. And then we randomly then have another 30 minutes. Where Vespa Okay, we have to show that Vesper betrayed him. And that he lost his first great love. Um, but... Why... Was there then another evil man with one eye for a glass. And he's like, hang on, what's going on here? It was just a bit random. That you kill off Mads. And then suddenly you've got another villain who we don't actually care about. Just to betray Vesper. Surely it would have been better to have kept... Mads alive have Bond realise that she's stolen the money for him him shoot her and then have all the goons chase her and her go no 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 no. Um, M was obviously interesting continuity from the fact of the last one and um, one of the guys um, who's been appearing in a lot of stuff recently Um, Anderson and the guy from um, Game of Thrones and the Night Manager he was in it I was like what but he wasn't actually Tanner which was interesting to see so no Casino Royale shifts Bond definitely um into the more modern direction but we do lose some of bond's charm but we will get to that when we do when we finish and i do a full-on james bond right what have i learned from the bond of yeah then i went to the cinema and i watched guardians of the galaxy volume three that is this fortnight's big review if you're expecting anything else why are you here then I got home and I was having dinner and I was just flicking the channels and I had no intention of watching a film and Men in Black International was on and I've not seen that since I saw it at the cinema. So I watched it. It was fun. It was harmless. Um, I forgot about the little porn thing. Um, little porn creature, porny. He was quite cute. Um, and I forgot that Rafe Spall was in it. I was like, yeah, that's good. Happy days. Um, but... It gets a bit generic at one point. It's just, okay, fine, fine, fine. But it's decent. It's all right. It, it was perfect for what I needed on Wednesday night. If that makes sense. And I went to my parents because they had the football and I didn't. And I was just sitting there and I was flicking the channels. And I had no intention of watching The Dark Knight. But The Dark Knight was on. And me and my mum had a full-on conversation about um Christopher Nolan and his art and the way he makes films. And that she loves that. I love and go so deep into all the films. But she wants more of this. She's not, I don't think she's going to sit in the cinema for three hours with me for Oppenheimer. Let's just say that. But I will be. <laughs> but um, we, we had a deep conversation about Heath um ledger as well as for Joker and about what happened and now how at the time we didn't really know full story but now we know a little bit more and obviously time's grown and I know more things about the film industry and what goes on in them so we were able to put a bit more things together and look for all of that. That was quite interesting to do. But ultimately The Dark Knight is phenomenal. It really is. I watched Mountain Star Wars day and um, it was an important football game that day. So I didn't watch Star Wars on Star Wars Day. However, I did the day afterwards because it was the fifth. So I watched Revenge of the Sith on Revenge of the Fifth. And it's bloody amazing. It's so good. Um, All the twists and the tails. And you see how it all goes. And, oh, yes, Natalie Portman. But I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Or later on. We'll get to that. Um, Probably later. Um. Yeah, Natalie Portman's the only downer in this film. With a general Kenobi. And... (sighs) Yeah, that is definitely... Because I've been seeing quite a bit of bits of all the old Star Wars films. And Obviously, I was bombarded with everything when I went to Star Wars Celebration. Which was still amazing. I'm still on a high on. Um, It's definitely my third favourite Star Wars film of all time. That final battle. um, And the... um, Life and death of um Anakin breathing his first breath as Pap- uh, Darth Vader breathing his first breath as his children breathe her- their first and um Amidala breathes her last. And Kenobi and trying to go and find Qui-Gon and the clones all t- t- turning on him and all of that. Oh, it's so good. Although I did see a meme somewhere recently where a group of people had rented out a cinema and had put on the Star Wars thing for their time that they rented it. And they put on Avengers of the Sith, um, and but it gets them part where Anakin goes to kill the younglings and they all cheers because it's iconic. And you know, we're all millennials and we all love Star Wars, so we'll get to that in a bit. Then on Saturday night, I was sitting here and I wanted to concentrate on something, and I found Peter Pan and Wendy. It's the new Disney film, it's the new adaptation of Peter Pan and Wendy. It's got Jude Law as Captain Hook and Vitudic actually in an acting piece where it's not just a voiceover. That was quite nice. However, it's not Peter Pan and Wendy. It's Wendy and Peter Pan. It's not that great story. I got a bit bored halfway through. I was just sitting there like, okay. Yeah, nothing excited me. It was not which just made me feel a little bit worried about The Little Mermaid in a couple of weeks. I'm not going to lie. Because Peter Pan is one of my favourite Disney movies of all time. I'd say it's probably number three, two or if not three on my list. It's not number one because Ariel's number one. Um, I, I'd say it's between that and The Lion King for it's number two on my Disney list, definitely. It depends on whether as to what runs number one, which one's number two and which one's number three. But yeah, it doesn't. Give me goosebumps Um, when I watch them fly over London in a cartoon or in Hook. I always think, ah. But no, it didn't give me that and that's what I wanted. I'm, I felt a little disappointed in it, I'm not going to lie. So after that I wanted to cheer up, so I decided to put on the Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's not a cheering up thing, is it? If watching a dark Disney movie, but... I've talked a lot about The Hunchback of Notre Dame because I, as a child, I watched it and watched it a few times. And then because it was so dark, no one's had it since. So because it's been on Disney Plus, it's more of a case of once a year going, I'm going to put on Hunchback of Notre Dame. Why not? Yeah. And then on Sunday night, my final film of the fortnight was watching The Deep Blue Sea, which was Rachel Weisz and Tom Hiddleston. Rachel Weisz is suicidal and is having an affair with Tom Hiddleston's character. And wanted a divorce from her husband, and her life survival's out of control, and she gets a bit drunk and a bit out of it. Um, I watched it with the Tom Hilson girls, and Tom Hilson takes off all of his clothes about 10 minutes in, and after that point, it doesn't peak. And she's really uppity, and she's really mean, and she doesn't actually really care about him, and he's more concerned about winning the war. Um, she's also having PTSD, and her actual husband, who is much older, does actually love her. And it's just like, you've ruined your life, love. And I'm actually quite grateful that at the end it all falls apart for her. But I was like, yes, that's fine. But the rest of it was just Well, I knew where we were going once she said, I want a divorce. I was like, well, he's going to offer you the divorce. He's going to prove that he loves you. And the other one's, I'm going to leave you and you're going to have nothing. And I knew that was going to happen. And I was just sitting there waiting for it. It was just a bit like, OK. It could have been much better, Tom. I'm sorry. But you did take all your clothes off. That was rather nice that's it that's what i've watched in the last fortnight oh my god that took forever in theory it didn't actually take me that long because um 18 reviews in theory 22 minutes we also did have a king's coronation which took three hours in this week that was interesting um but you know it's getting crowned it's a king we're gonna do a few more of these in the years to come so well, at least we all know know what's gonna go down when it happens That's what I watched. I hope there's some stuff there that you want to watch. I hope I've given you some insight into a few things. Lots of bond insight, definitely. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, next time will probably be much shorter because there'll be stuff going on. And yeah, Eurovision takes precedent over all the next week, well, for at least three nights of it. So that is that. That's what I've watched in the last fortnight. You're welcome, peoples. Who wants to know what you've all been watching in the last fortnight? I do! I do! Let's have a look at what you've been watching at home and at the cinema for the last two weeks. As always, we start with the DVD and streaming chart. So, as of the 26th of April 2023, Avatar remained at number one. Happy days for that. Still haven't seen it. Ant Man and the Wasp Contamanium entered at number two. Megan was at three. Lamborghini, the man behind the legend, was a re entry at number four. Plane. The Gerard Butler film was a new entry at five. Roddell's Matilda musical dropped to six. Elvis was at seven. Top Gun Maverick was at eight. June was at nine. And Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was a new entry at ten. There were a few other re-entries, such as Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, and the Fast and Furious films, and the Street Fighter box set was a new entry at number 34. So that is interesting to see what that was what happened that week. Then, fourth week of the 3rd of May, Avatar uh, Way of Water remained at number one. Uh, Man and a Wasp Quantumania remained at number two. Plane leapt up to number three. Lamborghini stayed at four. Megan dropped to five. Roald and Matilda Musical stayed at six. Puss in Boots for Last Wish jumped back up the chart to number seven. A Man Called Otto was at number eight. Top Gun Maverick was at nine. And Elvis was at ten. Uh, Magic Mike's for Last Dance was released on... um. HBO and that streaming service, which I haven't got, um, and that went entered in at number 12. There was also re entries for both the Sing movies, and there was an English dubbed version of All Quiet on the Western Front, which freaks me out a little bit. My dad saw that and he said, Oh, I watched the English version of All Quiet on the Western Front. I went, What do you mean there's an English version? It's all in German. Huh? Yeah. No. <sighs> so that was that. Now, for what you've been watching at the cinema. So for the weekend of twenty first and twenty third of April, Super Mario Brothers was number one still. That took four point two million pound. Evil Dead Rise was in number two. That was new entry and that took one point four million pounds. Dungeons and Dragons was at three. That took seven hundred sixty thousand. John Wick Chapter Four took five hundred eighty nine at four. Air took five hundred sixteen at five. Missing took 382,000 at six. Renfield took 301,000 at seven. Kissy I've mispronounced that, I'm so sorry. At 292,000 at eight. The Pope's Exorcist took 189,000 at nine. And the Three Musketeers took 161,000 at ten. I tried to watch the Three Musketeers, I did. And both times I'd booked to cancel it, I was the only person that was going to watch it at my cinema, and it was cancelled. And I was like, wonderful, thanks for that. I want to watch that film. And now I can't, now I've got to wait for it. Which means I can't watch the sequel that comes out later in the year, which is a bit of a pain. Oh, well. Now for the weekend of the 28th to 30th, which was obviously a first bank holiday, um, Super Mario Brothers stayed at number one. It took £3.06 million. Evil Dead Rise took £1.05 million. The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry took 784,000. Pony and Selvan Two took 612,000 at four. Dungeons and Dragons took 575,000 at five. John Wick Chapter 4 took 479,000 at six. Star Wars The Return of the Jedi 40th Anniversary took 446,000 at seven. I was so angry because it was basically anywhere that had an IMAX. They'd put it on IMAX screens but didn't show it anywhere else. And... The showing that I could go to was completely sold out and I was livid. I was like, oh, ah, <sighs> calm girl, calm, calm, calm. I really wanted to see that, but it broke me a little bit. Eight was M. Um, and that took 374,000. Polite Society was at nine and that took 220,000. Missing was at 10, and that took 208,000. And I am going to say that George Foreman, Big George Foreman at number 11, because you've heard me talk about it earlier, took 204,000 at 11. Yeah. That's interesting to see that. But there was also quite a few um theatre things that were happening um over that bank holiday weekend. I'm really glad that Return of the Jedi took that much money. Really, really glad. It was in 40 cinemas and it took over £400,000. I'm good on it, but, you know. I wanted to see it and I couldn't. <laughs> I was gutted. and so I was like, no, no. Why just release it on the IMAX? Why not just remaster it and send it everywhere? Ah. Anyhow, you've all been watching Super Mario Brothers and Evil Dead and Avatar Way of Water and, uh, what was the other thing? Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Plane. So, yeah, it's very interesting to see if that's the case. It is something going to knock Avatar Weir of Water off the top of the DVD and streaming services soon? We are all pretty sure that Guardians is about to knock um Super Mario off the um, cinema list. We're pretty sure that's going to happen. So, yeah, that is all very interesting. There's been some movers and some climbers and some re-entries. And, yeah, that's what you've all been watching, peoples, at home and at the cinema. We need to chat. (laughs) We need to chat about Star Wars Day. Um, We've already done a little bit about what Star Wars means to me. But we need to chat about something that I did on Instagram. Which I've just seen the results of. And I'm questioning life choices right now. I did a poll. I put a poll down. Um, Obviously as far as cinematic Star Wars film releases. We're complete for the time being. The story's been told. However, we still have some questions um that will need answering and obviously there will be more films coming soon um however one of the main questions to ask is what order do you watch star wars in and i put the poll up and you can either watch star wars in release order or story order so release order is doing the order which they were chronologically made so you start from new hope um and you do all of them, and then you go to the Phantom Menace, and then you do the sequels plus the bits in the gap in that order as well. So you so you watch it that way. Story order is you start from Phantom Menace and you head all the way through the end to um Rise of Skywalker. That's what you do. Um so I asked Instagram, um, and was like, tell me, tell me what you think. Um and the result came back sixty forty. There's quite a few votes on it. Um but it came back sixty forty in favour of story order. What? I'm sorry, but your shock as to um your one spoiler is you get two spoilers with that. You get the um that it's palpatine and Oh, I think that's about it, you get that Palpatine is the bad guy At the end of, uh, halfway through um, Revenge of the Sith But other than that, you get no real like, oh, moment in it You don't get that I am your father, that's ruined You do not get spoiled by one of the greatest plot twists in cinematic history When Darth Vader goes, no, I am your father Because it is, it is the greatest plot twist in cinematic history It's never going to be beaten and you're robbed of that moment. Because you know full well that Darth Vader is Luke's dad. It's just... I really thought some of you would be better and would go for that. I'm happy 40% of you did. Well, You're at 40%? Well done. Hi, you are my people. But the 60% that didn't... Oh, that actually... It really hurt when I just clicked on that button just to see what, what happened in the poll because I understand it I do I do get that it's a more complete story if you tell it Phantom Attack Revenge Solo Rogue One Hope Empire Jedi Force I can't remember um, Jedi and Skywalker I get that that is a complete story but I think you should watch it in the order it was made. I really don't sit there and watch the MCU in date order. I don't start with Captain America and then watch Captain Marvel. I watch it Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 4, Captain America, Avengers, Iron Man 4, Captain America, Guardians. Yeah, order. Yeah, I do it in release order. But, yeah, it, that, that shocked me. I thought there'd be a lot more of you that would be release order and that it would win, so I've been taken aback there. Um, I'd also like to, um, while we're here, talk about the fact that at the moment the prequels are getting a lot of love. Um, everyone's suddenly sat here in the last few weeks, especially after Star Wars Celebration, going like, why is everyone obsessed with Hayden? Why is this suddenly happening? Why is he getting love? We were all kids. Our generation watched, as I've said earlier, with The Phantom Menace, our generation watched the prequels. Um, and we watched it and we were like, oh, okay. You know, because we got the moment of Darth Vader putting on a helmet and being like, Ooh. "Um," But we, we got the prequels. And obviously there was a time where there wasn't social media and things like that. Um, between 99 and 2005. Or it was just growing. And it was all just filmed of forums. And um, things like that. Of adults busy moaning. About how bad Hayden Christensen was. And how bad those films were. And I get that The Phantom Menace. Is not the best Star Wars film. Jewel of Fates. Is, um, the fight with um, Darth Maul. Is absolutely epic. Um, the pod race is a bit long. I've talked about this before anyhow. Um, but. In terms of the rest of it. Attack of the Clones. And Revenge of the Sith. They are really really good. Revenge of the Sith is actually my third favourite Star Wars film. Um, And it tells a heartbreaking story about what you believe in. And whether you're in a cult or whether you're not. And we all as a group of millennials. All really love sequels. uh, Not sequels. Prequels. And then... We're now old enough that we can... We have no money for anything else. But we have money to spend on Star Wars stuff. And we've all been reconnected due to Din Djarin um, and Grogu. And that's how i found everyone in my family. And we're all now talking about this together. we're all now sitting there going, like, why were we ever told that the prequels were rubbish? We all actually really enjoyed them. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. So we're now, because we have no money to do anything else, buying stuff to do with the prequel... Uh, Prequels and all the dinner and Grogu things. And we're sitting there basically going like, well, why did everyone ruin Hayden's career? He was a really good actor. He did this. He did really good. He was, you know, he had a lot of weight on his shoulders. He was being Darth Vader. That is a lot of pressure on any 20-year-old. And suddenly, the prequels are getting a lot of love online because we have a voice and we're always doing that and we're a family and we're a clan. And suddenly all the people sitting there busy going like, you know what? Men frequels prequels were good. So, yeah, it's it's coming to light and we're all loving it and we're all just spreading our love for prequels and people in it and except Natalie Portman, I'm sorry, she's not a good actress. I'm trying so hard to watch her in a film and watch her be good and I'm not enjoying them. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, the. Prequels do stand and are valid and are fun and are really good and have some of the most incredible fight scenes in them. They are so clever. And it's just, yeah, so the sequels are valid. The prequels are valid. Um, We've still got, I think we've still got to wait until we get to the 10th anniversary of The Force Awakens to prove that the sequels are valid. That's only two years away now, so that will be soon. Um, but we it needs time you need to appreciate uh, uh, I was watching as I've talked earlier I've talked watching The Dark Knight during the week and sitting there busy going like oh, oh yeah that everyone went that was a masterpiece but now you look back at it all these years later 15 years later and you sit there and go like that was more than a masterpiece that's cinematic perfection Christopher Nolan you clever bastard yeah so, yeah, that's my little take for um, Star Wars Day that's a bit longer. Um, that's kind of a little bit out of blue. And I went off on the tangent, you know. But, yeah, I'm still shocked that you all <laughs> prefer to watch it in story order. That did throw me a little bit today. That's been probably like, ah, what? Because I thought I knew some of you. I really did. And now I don't. And now I've got to ask you all questions. Ah. It's time for this fortnight's big review. This Fortnite's big review could only really be one film. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Here we go. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs> if you've been here forever, you know full well that I love Marvel and the Marvel films and Marvel shows. They've not hit the best patch recently, but you know, we get there. Um but you know that I find reviewing films like this where the world wants to see it and countries get it at different times quite hard you will have seen that in my writing and you'll have seen that in my talking because obviously there's easter eggs there's spoilers and there's hidden little gems and it all adds to such a bigger picture so it's really hard to talk about however i love the guardians the guardians have a very soft and special place in my heart um years ago before i got my cinema card and started going to the cinema on my own i wanted to go and see guardians of the galaxy and my best friend said yeah i'll come with you and we queued up at our local cinema and we got there and the people before us got the last two tickets to it and i was like darn it and it was before it was re-bought back out and i didn't actually go and see it and i was a little bit gutted and then when i did finally see it i was like these are my misfits These are my people, they are, because you can recognise your friends and yourself in parts of all of them. Their flaws are their strengths and, okay, yeah, they're bad people, but (laughs) they do it out of what they think is good and to protect themselves and those they love and they care about in the end of the day. And they save the world. And obviously, um, James Gunn's made... An incredible story. And you can just watch the Guardians of the Galaxy. Those three films. Okay, Avengers have added to that a little bit. But you can watch the three films um, on their own. Um, You do need Infinity War and Endgame to explain a little bit going into this one. But you've probably then seen that. But... uh... So this is the third volume. It is emotional. It is long but it doesn't feel long, because when I saw that we were getting to Act 3, I was like, oh, hang on, we're in Act 3? And I looked at my watch, and it said that we were an hour 55 in, I was like, oh, my God, ah, this is it, this is all going to go down, oh, God, oh, no, 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 no. I was like, oh, no, I can't be dealing with this. Oh, I can't be ready to say goodbye. <sighs> I started running up a little bit early on, I full-on blubbed and cried at least three times. Um, It was really funny. It was sweet. It was full of action. There was a point where um, David Bautista actually got to lay the smackdown on some candy asses. I know that's a rock, but, you know, you get me there. But um, everyone got a chance to shine in it. It didn't feel like anyone had a bit of a backseat. I know that there's less of... Rocket in the main story... But there's his... um Origin... Story within it... That's kind of shown in the trailer... So that makes sense... Um, But... It was so good... in The way that it dealt with that... And the villain... The villain was really good... He was actually better than the villain in that man... I was sitting there halfway through going like... Why aren't we building... It around him... The rest of this phase of the MCU... Why are we building it around Kang... Um, I connected to him and what he wanted to do a lot more, and I felt really bad. Things there was all sorts of stuff going on. There were some really sweet moments. There were some moments of friendship. There were some moments of humility. There was some scary bits. There was um a running joke throughout the entire thing, which was like, "Yes." And there were so many James Gunn Easter eggs in there. So much so that there was one point when someone turned up and went, "She's it." Yeah, I had a moment at like that. I was properly full on going, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I need to tell everyone, I need to tell everyone. And then I was like, I'm watching this Wednesday. Yeah, I watched it Wednesday. Um, and the rest of the world didn't get it till Friday. So I had to sit here and be like, mm. And then I had another friend that watched it on Friday and then got home and went, oh, my God, I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. And then one of our members in our group chat went, don't you dare spoil it. And I was just like, well, you need to take tissue. She's like, well, I'll cry anyhow. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> That's all I'm telling you. But the other one was like, I need to talk to you all. And I was like, "Check, talk to me separately, please. <laughs> We've not done that yet. I think we're waiting until everyone's seen it. I and mean, we'll just have a big, huge group chat laughing about it, going, oh, my God, Guardians of the Galaxy. <sighs> the music was on point. It was a good closing music song as well. Uh, the Yang credit scenes were very good. Um, there were some cameos. which was like, yeah, that's good. Yes, I'm glad they're in it. Um, especially within the Ravengers. Um I loved the different worlds they went to and the different places we saw. I loved uh Le- Layla. I love Layla. She was adorable. Um, and yeah, there were some truly heartbreaking things. I really, I since I've moved offices, I have not seen a film twice. Um, mainly because the first one, but I have seen twice of cinema this year. Um, I saw before I moved offices, so it was easier for me to do that um but this is a film where I'm sitting here right now and because I can't talk to you about it because you know it's Guardians of the Galaxy and I can't spoil it for you because you're going to see it in the next couple of weeks um I am probably going to go and try and see it again this week probably on Wednesday because it's the only day when there's not your vision so I have no idea what time you'll get in this on Wednesday <laughs> um but yeah I I really connected um I know that they're my f- Marvel friends and that I've been through a lot of them and I've gone through personal development and stories with them and I love James Gunn's writing and his humour and the fact that he breaks your heart when he needs to um but it was such a story of closure which didn't actually lead to closure but did um was interesting how the last scene of the film after the end credit then put something on there I was like hmm okay uh but it feels like if we don't go back... If this is it for the Guardians... And their contracts are up... And they're all off... Um, I'm happy with it. Because it ended... There was no forced relationship. Everyone got to do what they wanted to do. And there was some tears... And there was some happiness. And it all just... It just worked. Um, Will Porter's addition as Adam Warlock... Was not what I expected... But was so much fun because I think that was the point and it just worked <sighs> because when I found out that Adam Warlock uh Will Porter was going to be Adam Warlock I was a bit like oh this is gonna be hard to really hate him <laughs> and what they did was clever because it made you hate him but it also made you realize that he's just part of this Machine, Which in theory, that is what Marvel and the Guardians are, which is a brilliant metaphor. He represents, and Warlock represents what Guardians are for the rest of the MCU. And that's why it works. And, yeah. No, I... I'm going to watch that again and again and again and again and again. It was... It was fantastic. It put the MCU back on form. I'm really hoping the Marvel's continuous because that's the one I've been most looking forward to this year. Um they are brilliant and I hope that they absolutely bought it and just go, yeah, this is this and that is that we own this. Um but as far from where we've gone from Ant Man to now going into Guardians, we're back on good footing. Um but it has been miss hit hit miss recently so and two of the tv shows weren't exactly hits so i'm hoping that we are back on firm ground secret invasions next then it'll be marvels and it can all be good and we can all be happy and we can all be happy with where the mcu is heading into at the end of phase five and going into phase six with a huge showdown <sighs> without saying anything i've talked about the guardians of the galaxy for nearly nine minutes <laughs> So yeah, please, I know you all have gone and watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but please, if it's at all anything like your thing, please go and watch it because it's it's my jam and I'm pretty sure it's yours and you will leave that cinema feeling heartbroken and overwhelmed and happy. And that's what I think every film should make you do. And that is that for this fortnight's episode. Thank you all as always so much for listening. It's really appreciated that you go here and you give up a few minutes of your day to listen to the ramblings of a mad woman who loves film and Star Wars. Yeah. The next episode will be on the 24th of May. I see no reason as to why that won't be the case on that day. But we'll see when we get there. Until then, you know where to find me. It is popcorn underscore four underscore one on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And it's popcornforone.co.uk for the actual blog in its entirety. Have a fantastic Best fortnight besties. Enjoy Eurovision. Enjoy your life. Look after yourselves. Be good to one another, and the rest will take care of itself. And I will see you all on the 24th of May. Take care. Love you. Bye.